Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast, episode 114, 114. And if I sound like a piece of shit, it is because I had my work Christmas party last night and I'm feeling diabolical. A full day's work today, back home, dinner, and now recording with Phil Tyra, who I always want to call Phil Tyler, but that's not his actual name. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing great. I've got a bit of a cough, so hopefully I don't disrupt the podcast too much. But yeah, feeling much better now. Yeah, both you and I are clearly not up to scratch to record a podcast, but hey, (laughs) the show must go on. And you were previously on episode 92. How have things been since then? And why don't you remind people a bit about your Football Index journey? Because you've been on for quite a while, haven't you? I have, yeah. Coming up to four years now. So I joined in January 2016. I know four (laughs) years, it's really gone quickly. So yeah, I guess I'm one of the first few people that joined. The early adopters, as some people are calling you. (laughs) Yeah, special early adopters. I get special permissions and IPOs early, of course. I think my referral code was about 2000, so I was in the first 2000-ish. So since episode 92, I think, was that around July? Around July, I think. So I've had, to be honest, a bit of a a quiet period on Linux, especially over the last two months. My portfolio is kind of plateaued in a way, but uh, over the last couple of weeks, it's picked up again. But overall, it's been a good last few months. But yeah, coming up to four years and it has kind of flown by and the community's grown so much. You really realize on Twitter before it was kind of a handful of people now, you know, there's so many people that you just can't keep count really. I think in that kind of time, in like Jan 2016, there was so few people, even up to summer 2016, there were like, I can't name more than maybe 50 people that were on Twitter back then. I remember Mark Edgar, who uh, unfortunately has kind of disappeared off Twitter, but he was like the big name on Twitter, that guy. And then he just disappeared off off the face of the earth. But yeah, no, there have been some people who've been around for a while, like RC, yourself, Batman as well. I remember he's been going for a while. So yeah, there have been some people that kind of continued for four years, but yeah, it's a far bigger and greater place now, the community, and far more uh, controversial than it probably was back in January 2016. (laughs) Definitely was. There weren't as many people to disagree with back then, but it's for the best, obviously. We're reaching, I think, half a million signups now, which is uh, pretty absurd. Uh, so, I mean, that's good. But yeah, we had some weird questions, obviously. Matt, Matthew Showpony, who did that very nice <laughs> meme of us with uh, Santa Claus or Ant- Adam, Adam Claus, Santa Claus. I, d- I don't know. I d- I've got nothing Adam really. Claus. Yeah, I want to go with Adam, Adam Claus. Claus. And there's some nice little Easter eggs in there as well that I didn't realize at first. Like some photos in the back and Santa Coles. Yes, that works. I mean, that's far better than Adam Claus. So I mean, <laughs> both. But yeah, great meme making. He's a. Uh, oh, he, oh, it's the best bit about the Twitter community, to be honest. Those kind of memes that come out. Like it must be quite a bit of work to get it done, but yeah, they're pretty good. He absolutely loves them. But his question is: Following your Spotify data, please reveal <laughs> yes. the amount of time you spent listening to the Figcast. Also, do you think your FI ban got lifted due to this alleged affiliation with the FITP? <laughs> Yeah, so the FITP, Football Index Twitter Police, for people that don't know. And to be honest, for people that don't know, you don't, there's nothing really to know. It's kind of a, I don't know, some sort of conspiracy theory that the people in this group get like preferential treatment, I'd say, from the big dog, Adam Cole. I'll do the Spotify bit first. Spotify, I'd say I listen to the odd one every, I'd say, couple of weeks. I just find it really hard to pay attention for over an hour to a podcast, especially when I'm in work. I can't listen to music or kind of have my headphones in particularly. I use Twitter far more to get any kind of football index knowledge or kind of conversation. It's far easier rather than kind of getting earphones in and listening for a whole hour. So I kind of try to tune in for certain people who I think, you know, I'd, I'd like I'd like to listen to, but not as much as I'd like to really. I should probably start listening more on weekends when I've got a bit more free time. Yeah, go on, Phil. 
Yeah, sorry. I sh- <laughs> yeah, that's a bad, like, uh, I guess, recommendation based on me there <laughs> to listen to Figcast. But you should listen to it, especially for people who are new. Some fantastic brains coming on and kind of talking about it. And everyone has kind of different opinions. So you really learn different ways of trading and making money. And then you kind of, whichever one resonates most with you is uh, the one that you should go for. But unfortunately, I haven't checked my Spotify data exactly for the amount of minutes I've listened to Figcast. But I imagine it's not very high, unfortunately. Yeah, maybe for the best that we don't have a specific number, otherwise it could get embarrassing. Loire Loire last week, who was basically, yeah, I'm pissing off FI very soon and uh, heading over to Betfair Exchange, which was a (laughs) funny start to a podcast. But I think I saw a review at some point that said the latest one started with a bloke leaving FI, but turned out to be a really good podcast. So uh, (laughs) I guess we can turn anything into a good show to some extent. FI Wacky Trader. Why is the word for a fear of long words? Hold on now. I'm going to try, try this. Try and say this. Try it. Hippopotamonstrosequibataliophobia? Can you do it better? Hippopotamonstrosequibataliophobia. I think that was better. I mean, both me and you, we have no idea what it means and no, no idea how to say it, really. The, the word? Like, is that actually... I have no idea. I feel like he's pulling a leg here. Is it actually? It's an ironic twist. That's really mean to people that are scared of long words. That is, yeah, that is just peak irony right there. And what a question to pick to be on a Figcast. What a question indeed. I have no idea why, Wacky Trader. Sorry. You're right. That's terrible for people that try to explain a fear of long words and then they say, what's the medical condition for that? And they just can't say it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's, that's a weird question. Jake Teote, when are you planning on going to the garden centre to sit on Santa's lap? And what are you going to ask him to bring you for Christmas? When am I going to go to the garden centre? I mean, I've been many times already, obviously. And what am I going to ask him? I would have really liked to have that lunch with Adam Cole. That, that was the dream, really. But that prize is gone now. So, well, maybe I could ask him for, you know, a special edition for Blindex Twitter, please, if he can, you know, fix up another two or three lunches. But that would have been top of my list to uh, have a, an hour chat with Adam Cole to ask him the questions which uh, he doesn't dare answer on Twitter, <laughs> such as the 7% rule or about <laughs> media and just, yeah, the ridiculousness like that. I think that'd be really useful and really interesting. Other than that, I don't know, to be honest, I'm quite boring. Just a nice, happy Christmas time with the people you care about. That's my uh, go-to. <laughs> Pretty boring, sorry. But other than that, Adam Cole for now. Fair enough. I think I'd love to have been a fly on the wall when the guys at FI Towers were deciding what the prizes were and someone sticks their hand up mm. and goes, Versace, what was it? Was it sli- no, it wasn't slippers. It was, it was, um, yeah, it was Versace slippers and uh, dressing gown, I think. Yeah, yeah, dressing gown. Bloody hell. And uh, a lunch with Adam Cole. I don't know. don't know what to say. I, yeah, I thought the Adam Cole one was a really good present, actually. Uh, I thought that was a good I prize. I want to know who got it. It seems like no one on Twitter has got any other prizes yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you know, there's so many traders that aren't on Twitter, so I don't know about the probability-wise of actually someone on Twitter getting the prize. But, like, it'd be great if just someone you kind of know or follow got, like, a prize because it kind of seems a bit more, like, real, if you know what I mean. Or it wouldn't be good because there might be some controversy uh, <laughs> about, you know, how many followers they've got, got the or who's got yeah. it, yeah. Who got the uh, meal? GMK will be on it. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Before we get into the questions... I mentioned reviews earlier. If you guys haven't left a review on iTunes yet, please do so. The latest one was from FITSL quite recently. Crucially important. No, he said, great FI podcast. If you love FI, this podcast is a must. Great insights into how other traders think and operate. Nice, short and sweet. 
it could be any length, you know, and uh, I'd love it to be five stars, but hopefully get to 200 reviews soon. And if you guys haven't checked out my latest YouTube video, I made one all about injuries. Following Memphis Depay and Jeff Ren Adelaide's crazy dual ligament injuries within like 30 minutes of each other on the same team in the same game. That's crazy. I thought it was, yeah, apt to, to make a video all about what to do with injuries. It's obviously sometimes your luck is not going for you when stuff like that happens. If you own both of them, I do feel sorry for you. But it is what it is, really. It's just part and parcel of the game. We've got some questions here, but before we do get into like questions that were originally asked, something quite big happened today, didn't it, Phil? On the day that we're recording. Yes. Thursday the 19th. <laughs> Harland. Harland Gate, which is, again, the FR community really don't like being on a spectrum. It's very black or white. You either loved it or you hated it. So why don't you tell everyone, if they don't know, if they've been living under a Football Index-related rock, what actually happened? Well, to win media dividends, to win media buzz, to get articles attributed to the player, the full name of the player has to be in the article uh, title. So, you know, like Gareth Bale, it can't just be Bale, it has to be Gareth Bale, which is normally fine because normally, you know, someone has a first and second name and it's not too bizarre that, you know, journalists would leave out any particular name. People with just one name will kind of benefit, so like Neymar, because they don't have two names, so they kind of get the benefit of people writing articles just for, say, their surname, because it's just one name. So Harland here, Elling Brout Harland, I believe, is the full name, and many news articles were not using his full name, Elling Brout Harland, instead just using Elling Harland. So he wasn't getting any articles and therefore any media points uh, attributed to him, and therefore he was not getting anywhere close to winning media dividends that perhaps he would have, considering he's been linked to Manchester United over the past week or so. And Football Index made a, I think, spontaneous decision, perhaps, not a well-thought-through one, to now credit articles that just simply have Erling Haaland rather than his full name, Erling Brout Haaland, and giving him points for his shorter name rather than his, I guess, middle name or full name, which is controversial because that's only happened once in Football Index history, from my knowledge, with Mohamed Salah and hasn't happened for any other player. So there's a lot of controversy whether that should have happened, that they should have allowed for only two of his names to count towards media dividends because it kind of sets a dangerous precedent about who should and should not have their kind of nickname or kind of shorter version of their name included to pick up media buzz points and therefore media dividends also. Yeah, I think there's a few things going on here, right? First of all, did you know that he actually changed his own name once, which is weird? His name was Ehrlich Braut Haaland, but H and then an A with an accent. Oh, yeah, yeah. L-A-N-D. And then he changed it to H-A-A-L-A-N-D to make it more international. So that doesn't help things. <laughs> this is my perspective on it, right? I think that if you're FI, right, and you're looking at your priorities as a company and as a business, which I think everyone would agree are one, growth, two, retention, and three, probably from a product side, getting order books out the door. I'd say those are their three utmost priorities. They want to fix media buzz. There's no doubt about that. We saw the, the, the Q&A with Adam Cole. There's clearly an understanding that the MB matrix and the way media buzz is working at the moment isn't as good as it could be. That being said, right, if you've got a player who is £4.50 and at the time of recording £4.80 or whatever, and that is because of the name change probably, but you know, before that, £4.50. If you are trying to retain customers and you're trying to add new customers and you're going into a period where you anticipate to be a big, big marketing push in January, 
And a lot of new traders will be looking at these young players who could be the next big thing. They look at Haaland and they understand MB or whatever at some point, and he doesn't win any buzz. It's very illogical, right? And we've talked a lot about kind of FI becoming more and more illogical platform as we go on forward in time. We've talked about, you know, eliminating the top 200. If Media Buzz used more than just UK-based tabloids, newspapers, etc. PB having more attributes such as dribbles, which, you know, that was improved in August. But this kind of just made sense to me to some extent because he's like the biggest story at the moment, just like Mo Salah was at the time when he first joined Liverpool. And I think a lot of people will say, look, okay, if this happens to Haaland, then it should happen to everyone. But if you look at every single player that might need a name change, let's say there's 100, right? I'm going to use that arbitrary number. Let's say 95% of them will probably never win more than one media buzz in a row ever, right? It's probably more important that that 5% that would win media buzz more than once in a row do actually get their name changed. And I'd say that Haaland is probably in that kind of category. And now look, mm. in the future, I think FI should be in a situation where if it's Erling Braut Haaland, if it's Erling Haaland, or if it's just Haaland, he should be awarded points. Same as if it's Lionel Messi or Leo Messi or Messi, he should get points. That should be the aim, right? And I don't know how they do that, whether they employ someone to just sit there and make sure that nothing wrong is going on. But at the moment, you know, when you've got Nicola Pepe scoring a winner for Arsenal in his first outfield goal, you know, that isn't a free kick or a penalty, and you've got Pepe, the Portuguese centre-back, getting more media buzz than him, something is clearly wrong. And I think... A lot of the times with FI, there are a lot of things that are wrong that are only highlighted and accentuated when a certain particular event happens. So the tech has always been an issue with FI, but when the mass IPO or like when the IPOs happened or when they reopened the market after making an announcement and it all crashed, those are the type of things that really highlight holes in FI. And this was just one of those cases, I think. And I think when a new user comes onto the platform, I would think of it as just try and be completely objective. Is the platform a better place where logically a player that is at the center of a massive, clearly a massive tug and war in the media, is it better if that player has more like intrinsic quote unquote value behind them? It probably is, right? Yeah, no, I'd say so. I think oh, it's a really tough one because where do you draw the line, basically? So you use the example of an arbitrary, you know, 100 people or players, and 95 of them would never even get close to winning media dividends, so it doesn't matter pretty much what their name is because they're never going to get close. I think this example is probably a bit more black and white than perhaps the most salary example because mm. I think the way that they should... See, I was just thinking about this just now, kind of how would Football Index kind of determine whether it's unfair or fair that they're not getting media articles picked up for them? Well, in the past, they've, they've kind of said that if the majority of articles are using a certain name, then they'd probably go out and change it. So that was, I think there was a big push at one point from a lot of FI traders where people were saying, well, you know, if we've got Mo Salah, why don't we have Leo Messi? And I think the, the guys at FI just basically said, well, Leo Messi isn't used enough, which is, I guess, fair enough. In this situation, Erling Braut Haaland wasn't being used ever. Mm, yeah, I think that's a great reason why in this particular example, it should be changed, like you're saying. So many articles that are just using Erling Haaland. It's not like they're just using his last name. They're using his partial full name, right? But then there's so many articles using those kind of two names. But when you're using Erling Braut Haaland, very little articles are 
kind of using his full name. So that should be, in my eyes, kind of a clear indicator where Football Index should be making that adjustment, which is what they've done here. And I'd say with this particular example, I'd agree. And I think with Mo Salah, I, I would disagree with that. So for a bit of background for people that don't know, Mohamed Salah was being picked up in articles, but Mo Salah wasn't. And then it was changed by Football Index. So Mo Salah would now be picked up in articles. And I disagreed with that one, I think, because I know people still use Mo Salah, but I think from my memory, Mohamed Salah was still being kind of written about. And that is his full name. Whereas here, it's kind of, I don't know, a kind of middle name perhaps here that is being excluded. So it's a slightly different example. I'd say I'd agree with this one more than Mo Salah, but I still think it sets a dangerous precedent in a way. And I know where you're coming from logically, if people are wanting to have fun on the platform who are new and they want to grow the platform for Blindex, what's going to help them do that? And that's to kind of lower the barriers to entry for people who are just starting and trying to understand what media dividends are in the first place, because that's probably the less uh, logical performance dividends are probably easier to understand than media dividends, I'd say, especially with the algorithm to work out how many points you get per article. So yeah, I'd say with this example, I'd probably agree. It's just, it's interesting to see if people are now going to try to predict name changes. So their expected price is going to try, I guess the price that it is at is already containing the expected name change in it. So I'm thinking like Pepe, for example, obviously his first name's Nicholas, but most people just use the name Pepe. So would that be an example where there could be a potential name change? Because I think, like you said, he scored against, was it Brighton? I can't remember. He scored like two. West Ham, where he performed really well. And I think he did win media dividends at that day, actually, but it was so low. And then the next day, he had literally zero news articles. But when you search up just Pepe, there were loads. So it's going to be quite interesting how people kind of now, this is set a precedent in a way, kind of a more recent one, because Mo Salah was so long ago, maybe two years, two, three years ago. Are people now going to be expecting this name change? And will that be reflected in the price of those players? Yeah, I think the last couple of things I'll say, there was a good tweet I thought by Footy Index Talk. I didn't necessarily agree with everything because I think he said, if you're finding a way to moan, unfortunately, there's no pleasing you. I guess I can see some perspectives as, as to why people are annoyed. But one thing that he said that I think was really good, he said, there's no winners in the Harlan name issue if he can't pick up buzzwins. That was the kind of perspective that I took, right? I do get the can of worms thing, but I think the can of worms can be slammed shut by FI and the onus is on them to revamp MB. And I don't see why that can't happen like mid-season. I know that they said, I think in the Q&A, Adam Cole said that he wouldn't, they wouldn't be changing PB till the off-season or no changes would be expected until the new season, which kind of makes sense because, you know, they talked about that kind of dividend review and if they were probably going to change the PB matrix, they might alter dividends slightly. But with MB, I think it's so broken to the point that I think if you asked every trader right now, whether or not FI should actually create a new MB matrix, most would say yes. And I think that is, for me, the bigger picture thing. For me, the Harlan, the Mo Salah stuff are just small hurdles. They're very small things, and they're quite insignificant for in the, in the wider scope of things, where FI now have to take this forward and say, look, clearly there's an issue here. Let's try and make it a lot better. Yeah, no, I agree. I think this is maybe something we're going to cover a bit later when we're talking about the Adam Cole Q&A. And that was probably the main thing that I took was that media buzz, pretty much commitment to change it in the future. I'd probably disagree with you slightly that I don't think it should be changed until the end of the season. Just for reassurance, because a lot of people own players that are priced at a certain way because they do very well in the current media buzz matrix. And it'd be nice for Adam Cole to come and say, 
we're not going to change it until the end of the season to put a bit of stability in prices. I own certain players that are bringing a lot of dividends, mainly through media. And if that was to be changed, I'd be, you know, moving out of those players mm. right now if I didn't know when. But if I kind of got a bit of commitment that it'll be end of the season, then I could do that over the next, you know, few months. And I think it's a bit more professional giving people heads up because basically you're changing the bet. It's an in-play bet and you're changing the value of the bet, which I don't know. I think they've done it well with performance buzz, how they've said that they're going to only review it at the end of the season. It'd be great if they could do that with positional changes. I know they struggle with that a little bit because it's an opta feed so they can't really control it as much but the more stability and more confidence traders have in the platform the better the platform will be and the more it will grow i think yeah i definitely agree there the bet change thing always i always have to think about that one because i get where people are coming from i definitely understand the anxiety that people might feel with you know putting a certain amount of money in a player and that the kind of underlying rules being changed but I've only been around four years, as you and me both well know, and the bets are three years old. So people can't expect FI to never change and the game rules to never change. I understand what you're saying and I do agree that in the long term, they should be done at kind of logical stages in time, whether that's like in the Christmas period where most leagues are off or during the off season in the summer. But at the moment, FI's kind of, they've got like, they've got to strike while the iron's hot. And that's both from a kind of, product standpoint and innovation standpoint but also trying to keep as many of the users that they're planning on kind of getting to join in this big january push i see where you're coming from and i do agree for new users coming in you want to update it as quickly as possible to make it more friendly for new users but i think doing it especially you know i agree with you fair enough if you want to do it in christmas doing christmas maybe every six months or so but if you're changing something that will dramatically change someone's bet without really saying that's going to drive away people Mm. like myself from using football index because i can't afford for a player that i have thousands of pounds in to drop by like a thousand or two thousand pounds <laughs> that's not an that, that that isn't attractive for a football index user whether you have 10 pounds or a thousand or you know it doesn't matter it's about percentage of the player but you can't really afford for that to happen really and it's a really risky thing to kind of have your money in if you are unsure that that could change like similar with Kimmich right now with positional change i haven't invested in that player because football index haven't said or haven't kind of committed to keeping his position the same and i know they maybe don't have control over it they haven't committed to keeping his position the same until a certain time that i would just have terrible anxiety have if i plowed loads of money into that player and it just turned out you know you changed to a midfielder and i've lost a grand it'd just be ridiculous so i agree you want to keep new traders to make it not just new traders but existing traders making it more just enjoyable and more logical how media buzz is meant to work i think doing it and Getting the communication right is really important. Giving people a lot of time to trade in and out of certain players and change their portfolio for that change. I guess the right answer or what FI eventually do is probably going to be somewhere in the middle of our opinions, I suppose. Super interesting thing to think about, I think. I mean, maybe not interesting. It's just uh, it's a debate that I think will rage on, obviously, until FI decides to do something that it seems a bit more permanent and long term. But Anyway, I think we've, we've spent a bit of time now on, on our old friend uh, Erling. Uh, we've got a couple of weird, well, not weird questions, but questions that we haven't really talked about for a little while here. And I think, Phil, you'll be good to answer these because you've been on for so long. FI Gardener says, uh, top guest fig, I get the odd DM from new users who are still worried that Football Index is a scam and the arse could fall out of it at any minute. 
Do you think this opinion will ever change whilst the returns are so good? And could FI do more to alleviate these concerns? And I think Tom7471 from the forum says, how long do you think Football Index will last? And Albion Jack from the forum says, evening, started listening to this again and really enjoying it. Again, when did you stop, Albion Jack? (laughs) Thank you. Going on from Tom's question above, what do you think would cause the FI market to crash? And could that ever mean it could simply shut down therefore losing all money deposited. Thanks. So quite dark questions here, Phil, but why don't you take it away? Okay, yeah, there's a few, obviously we've gone through three different questions that are kind of similar topic, but all slightly different. So yeah, Gardner, great account, by the way, Monday postings of the garden that he's recently mown and kind of done up. Obviously it's in winter now, so we're not getting the the photos. I'm looking forward to spring coming back and seeing the photos again. So if it's a scam, see, I had obviously four years so you've had people kind of thinking what are you doing with your money right you know in the early stages of this company which is totally fine i think there's definitely going to be an indirect correlation between people thinking it's a scam and the returns that you're going to get so obviously i think the more and more it grows percentage wise it's harder and harder to get the same percent growth that you originally had and additionally as it grows more and more it's becoming probably safer viewing I guess, for people because they're seeing it on adverts, they're seeing it on, you know, billboards, cabs, trains, buses, everything like that. So I think, will it change? Do you think this this opinion will ever change while the returns are so good? Yeah, I think this changed. I've seen the change over the last, you know, two years or so as it's got bigger and more people coming in. But saying that, I think the returns have gone down. It is true. People who got in early were able to kind of maximize the amount you can make. You can obviously still make a lot of money, but I think the returns, if we're talking percent-wise, are on average, probably lower than they were, say, two years ago. And what can FI do to alleviate any concerns? I think they've been doing really well. We've just talked about kind of having great communications, talking about potential media buzz change. I think just communication is really important, just being a professional company. And I think they're doing really well with that. So I think, yeah, I think the communications, what can they particularly do about alleviating it? I don't know. I think people that will have doubts will just kind of have doubts about if it's a scam or not. Dividends drive the market. If there were no dividends, it'd just be kind of plain monopoly. You'd be just kind of betting on players that have no real value. So the dividends are really important. Moving on to Tom's question, how long do you think football index will last? That's really hard to say. I think the dangerous period of football index potentially is when their kind of market capitalization kind of hits the max. You're not getting any new users in pretty much, which I still think were quite a fair amount of time away. Because when you're not getting any more users the way that football index are going to be, I guess, making money is kind of if people are moving from players to players, it's quite hard to predict what will happen then. Football index will continue to last as, as long as football index are making money, pretty much. And the way that they're not going to make money is if people aren't trading. So people aren't paying the commission. So if people just sit on their players for years on end, so for three years and no one's trading, then they're going to be paying up more dividends every day than they're going to be bringing in commission. So I think there could be a snowballing effect that people maybe the big accounts will take their money out and that kind of just causes a kind of hysteria maybe in the market where people are taking their money out and that could really affect the cash flow and the, the amount of money that football index have to be able to give money to people that want to withdraw. So, you know, just with banks, you can have like a run on a bank. They only have a certain amount of cash reserves in the back. Football index is probably very similar. Any money that you deposit, they probably store in like liquid assets that they'll be able to liquidate quite quickly. But um yeah, I think we're still quite far away from it kind of ending. And I think the dangerous period will be perhaps when it gets to that pinnacle of we've got a lot of users and we're not getting many more in. That will be a bit more, 
not dangerous or worrying, but just kind of an, an interesting area. Because I think when natural user growth is happening, I think there's profit to be made for everyone, really, just through natural growth. So I think I can answer the Albion Jack's one as well. So what would cause the FA market to crash? So I think it would just be, yeah, like a run on football index. So if players go down and people want to sell their players because the player's going down and they don't want to kind of be the last one out, it'd either be that, I wouldn't say it'd shut down unless, you know, there was a serious withdrawal of money. Or for some reason, football index got into cash flow problems that they're paying at more dividends than they are taking in commissions. But I don't think that's the case simply due to their ability to pretty much like double dividends. They wouldn't do that if they weren't making enough money. That just wouldn't happen. They would just let, you know, the players become a bubble. From a football index point of view, what's the point of doubling dividends, really? It's just to pretty much make sure that there's not some massive crash and there is no bubble to burst because they're increasing dividends to kind of burst the bubble themselves in a way. So yeah, sorry, that's a bit of a long-winded answer. There was a few kind of topics within kind of this dark few questions here. But I'd say for the foreseeable future, I wouldn't see there being an issue, especially since they're increasing dividends. And I imagine there'll be a share split again down the line. Because if you're thinking that a player who's got good media potential and performance potential, who's maybe 18, so let's just use Sancho for an example, is pulling in maybe two pounds of dividends a year, assuming he can kind of perform at that level for 10 years, that player could easily be valued at £20 right now, which is a kind of ballpark figure of when you'd be talking about another share split. So I don't think it's, it's, it's as bad as perhaps you're worrying any of the three accounts, so both Tom, Jack and Gardner. So I think you'll be fine for now. Yeah, I, I think we are so far away from the market cap pinnacle, whatever we want to call it. I think I talked about this with, ironically, the FI market cap account. I don't know if you listened to that one, Phil. We were basically talking about how FI are predominantly in the UK. They haven't really expanded into any other territories. We're, we're seeing the US kind of market in the gambling sense kind of loosen up from a legislation and, and regulation standpoint. I just think there is so much growth for a product like this. For me, even at a point where there is a max market cap, NFI have removed themselves as the liquidity providers as much as they can in, say, an order book system. If they can actually find a way to make that market cap flex or do something else in that kind of regard, I don't know what it is. I mean, look, Kieran's a far smarter guy than I, and he probably has some cool ideas up his sleeve. They could be in for a very, very, very long and profitable period as a company. And then whatever happens as a company, you know, we're even talking about FI as a company, but, you know, there's other sports that they could do. There's, there's so many possible things that football index can do. They're so early in their company life cycle that it's just so hard to say what is going to happen two years from now, let alone kind of like 15. So it's going to be really interesting to keep an eye. One other thing that I talk about is there are a lot of imperfections in even the best companies and most robust business models in the world. So if you think about a lot of like, businesses who still aren't profitable after kind of five or six years, you're talking about companies that are just receiving loads and loads and loads of VC money to just continuously stay afloat, gain more customers, and eventually hope that they turn a profit. But if they don't, or there is a bear market or VC money starts drying up because there's just less money around, and those business models go bust, then some hot, flashy startup that was gaining tens of thousands of users a month could suddenly just die a dark death. And that can happen to loads of businesses. The other thing I'd urge people to go and look at is go have a look on like Crowdcube or, or like any of these kind of crowd investing platforms where you can kind of invest in companies that are just looking for money to raise. 
Some of the companies are fucking dog shit. Like, honestly, some of them are so bad. Like, you'd look at them and be like, how has someone thought of that idea? And then better yet, how are people giving money to this company? Some of them are so bad that I just think like, oh, I could actually just make a better idea tomorrow. And that's not saying much because I, I don't think I'd have that smart an idea. But it's just like madness how some of these companies will become like million pound companies off of the back of basically nothing. FI have clearly done extremely well to kind of disrupt an area or an industry which has not been disrupted pretty much forever. We saw the Bet365 CEO take home £325 million today, was it, or yesterday? Yeah, yesterday, I think. Crazy. It's mad. But I, I was reading an article, which was, I think it was by The Guardian. They were talking about it, and they were just talking about kind of, I don't know, they were slagging her off a, a quite a bit, as you can imagine, because she's obviously taken home a, a big chunk of money there. But they're talking about how, uh, at one point, she basically put all her eggs in one basket from her kind of like family wealth standpoint and she just started she bought the bet365 domain and they just put all their money into like internet they were convinced that the future of gambling was going to be on the internet they were convinced that online betting was going to be the new thing and now betting companies are just closing up bookie shops left right and center so she was right and i'm hoping and i'm sure that everyone listening and everyone who's on fi is hoping that fi are going to do to bet365 what bet365 did to loads of traditional bookie shops but again, it's going to be very hard to compete to some extent with someone who can afford to pay their CEO over £300 million a year. So we'll see how that happens. <laughs> yeah, it's a long way to go from a football index point of view to get to kind of a bet 365 level. Certainly. Obviously, it's grown so much, but still, when you're talking about, imagine Adam Cole getting a bonus of £300 million. I imagine he's doing <laughs> all right, but £300 million is just a, kind of another level. I think just one quick point on kind of when football index kind of reaches maximum users. They'll obviously still be trading in a way because players get old, players dip in and out of form. So traders want to move their money in and out of, you know, players that are in form and stuff like that. So there's going to be commission to be made all the time. It's not like when the user base kind of hits maximum, no one wants to trade, basically. There'll just be less, well, zero, I guess, if the user base has reached maximum, there'll be zero natural growth, basically. You can't just sit on players and expect to make money. Any money made will be from good trading decisions, basically. And I think with the order books coming in, obviously the liability from football index will be diminished. And it'd be quite interesting to see out of all those that instant sell, so football index buying those shares for the instant sell price, do football index pretty much make money doing that or do they lose money? For example, like Memphis Depay injury went down by a pound. Some people would have gotten out only 20p down. So football index would have bought those players for say four pounds and he's now three pounds 50 say or something like that. Clearly football index now They've lost that money basically because he's worth less than they bought him for. It'd be interesting to see. Obviously, they're not going to publish anything, but if it's particularly a profitable way of kind of keeping the market liquid, I imagine it's not. That's why they're introducing order books. That's kind of my thoughts. But uh, yeah, it'll be fine. I think Fublin's got a long way to go. Definitely. I've got one last point, and that is you're kind of right in talking about the comparison when market cap is potentially reached should be is football transient enough? that there will be flex in that market cap. That is, I think, going to be the be-all and end-all question. And then if I don't think that that's the case, and at that point, you know, in 15 years where we have the bloody Dutch leagues that probably have like PB and stuff, then maybe they need to look at kind of having like a percentage of commissions that kind of get paid out as well, or some other elements that get added. I don't know what it will be like, but be interesting to see. 
Ziyech in the uh, for Ajax would be an absolute monster if uh, the Dutch league was in PB. Well, he'd be 40 in about 50 years, so I'm not sure <laughs> how much of a monster he'd be. Rich from Twitter says, with no one really able to estimate when FI will cap out at, wow, it's as if I purposely put these questions one behind the <laughs> other, and what level that'll be, what do you believe will be an acceptable level of annual return for traders on the index to justify keeping their investment live versus traditional options around 10%. And realistically, with that in mind, what kind of annual return do you think FI will be able to offer? Oh, this is interesting. He says, what do you think FI will be able to offer? I don't think FI will offer anything. It's based on your trades, basically, when the market caps out. They're not giving money away for free. I'd also like to know where their traditional options are for 10%. I think that's actually quite... Sign me up. <laughs> it's actually quite a good uh, option there for 10%. This is tough. So it's like, what's an acceptable level annual return? It's obviously very subjective. It depends on the person. For me, for people that have experienced the kind of golden years and perhaps future golden years where you can return, you know, 100% in a year. And I believe I have. I haven't checked my portfolio data I've got, but I think it's something like 100%. Suddenly 10% would seem, you know, oh, that's pretty bad. But obviously comparing it to traditional options, 10% is actually quite good. I think it's down to the person. Obviously, the bigger the company gets, perhaps the more safe it kind of seems and it sounds. So you'd be, again, depending on the trader, but perhaps they'd be willing to accept a lower return for that kind of safety that they didn't think FI had, say, four years ago. So I think it's very subjective. I, I wouldn't say it's, it's really whatever you want. For me, it'd be different for, uh, you know, for Fig, it'd be different for you, Richard, it could be different. So yeah, different for different people, for different rates. It's definitely subjective, isn't it? But also, we have to caveat that this is tax-free. So that is another thing. Yeah. So you'd have to discount, yeah, if, you know, a traditional one, you'd have to take off whatever tax. So you'd have to be earning kind of more, I guess, traditionally to get the same return through Fibble Index. So yeah, no, that's a very good point. It is tax-free. I haven't really considered that too much. I've kind of just, you know, been on it for so long, you don't really think about the tax side, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is something that I think a lot of people discount quite regularly that I think is obviously very important. Got a question here from FI Headhunter, who seems to have a question for every single podcast. And I think he's going to come on the show at some point in the new year, probably just ask loads nice. of questions to himself, which is <laughs> probably what's going to happen. What things were you most excited about in the Adam Cole Q&A? I think you alluded to this earlier in the show that we were going to discuss. Yeah. So yeah, it's the, which we've discussed before, the kind of media buzz change. I think that's a really interesting, that's a really big change for me. Because I think there's some PB players that you can kind of guarantee will, will return, you know, a certain pence per year. You know, for example, Trent is, I think if he continues to perform, he's, you know, he's quite a safe hold. Neymar, Kimmich to an extent, I know he's had a bad run, kind of unlucky run with second places. But media dividends, I think, has been proven to be one of the kind of most consistent, safest dividend channels, streams going. So if there's any change to that, that could really affect, you know, obviously Pogba's gone down a bit and he's probably going to leave United. But, you know, Pogba a year ago and two years ago, he pretty much guaranteed he was going to get a certain amount over a year. So for me, changing of media buzz, I've kind of diversified my portfolio where I've got some, you know, media players, some performance, some people, you know, some transfer players. But I think, yeah, media, that, that's, that's going to be really big because that was kind of where it started and it hasn't really changed that much. They've kind of introduced like tiered media over the summer or, you know, when there's no match days. But apart from that, they haven't really done much to the uh, system like we alluded to earlier. So it's a bit kind of stale now. So it needs to be updated. And I'm always a bit scared of change in a way, whether it's good or bad, just because I've got so used to 
knowing how the system works and whether a player is undervalued or overvalued, the minute it changes, whether it's good or bad change, you suddenly uh, you don't really know what value is. Basically, you don't know if a player is good value or bad value because you don't fully understand how the system's going to work, the new system. So for me, media buzz. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree, really. I think I answered this to someone when I tweeted out the kind of summary. I'm trying to find out what I say so I stay quite consistent. What did I say? Someone said to me, what are you most excited about? And I, I was Sigmund Freund. He said, uh, which ones are you most excited about and what do you think will have the biggest impact, short or long term? And I said, most excited by short term, NASDAQ. So I lied. I am disagreeing mm. with you. I really do think if that's as big as it's being hyped up to be, I think on the last time they were on my pod, like they seem very visually excited. Like I was watching their faces when they were talking about it and they were very excited about it. Long term, I think territories is going to be a super, super interesting one because if you imagine, I don't know, Germany having 500,000 users, however crazily far and unlikely and nutty that sounds, that is incredible. And then you mm, think about like the huge. US long term as well. Those are the two big territories, I'd say. Those two. What, Germany and the US? Yeah, for me, those are the two territories I think would be the biggest. Why Germany in, in particular? I think they have a particular love of football. I think they've got a bigger population than France. So European-wise, I think they're just more people live in Germany over France and Spain. And I think they're particularly, there's just, I have no kind of knowledge particularly, but from my knowledge, they're, you know, just football mad. So for me, Germany, out of all kind of European countries, that'd be a really big one to hit. And then obviously the US, just population size. It's just massive and they love a good gamble. US would be absolutely bonkers. I think that's the one where Adam Cole could could go to sleep. A very happy man. In. <laughs> a very profitable man. Yeah, and very profitable. 300 man. million a year bonus. <laughs> then we could start thinking about those numbers. Before we move on to the next question, just wanted to remind you guys that the podcast is sponsored by Index Gain. They just released a brand new bit of their OptiPowered report. They've got some new filters where you could basically look at the 30, 60, and 90 day windows for, for players. And I think they've done that because there might be some players who were pretty crap at the start of the season and have just started coming into form or were really good at the start of the season and not that good right now. And you are trying to predict where they're going to go from here on in. And those kind of 30, 60, 90 day windows that are included are super useful. And if you guys don't know about their Slack community, it's pretty awesome. There's like 5,000 plus people on it. And there's some super useful features that they have with their BuzzBot on Slack as well. And if you use the code FIG2020, you can get 50% off your first month over on indexgain.co.uk. I don't know if you use them, Phil. I do. I think when I was last on, I used a different provider, but I've since switched. Not to kind of discredit other providers, but IndexGain are really good. They've got some great features. I like looking at kind of the historical scores and the price to average PB score, which is quite useful to kind of see who's perhaps underpriced or overpriced. And the implied dividends charts are really good as well. That kind of shows, you know, are people unlucky? Are people not unlucky? For example, if Kimmich did win all of those times when he came second, he'd probably be two pounds more than he is now. So it's, it's stuff like that. But yeah, IndexGain is great. Right, we've got the next question here from Trawlers for Ballers. Have increased spreads made you reassess when to exit a trade? Are you exiting earlier while players are still on the rise more than ever as instant sell is becoming a lesser and lesser option? I guess it's, it hasn't made me reassess when I exit a trade. I guess it maybe has. I used to instant sell far more than I do now, especially at the lower end of the market. 
it's probably kind of my weakness is that when you see a player who was like 50p and you could instant sell for 48p or 49p, I think, oh, it's only a penny, it'll be fine. But percentage-wise, it's still, you know, 2%, 3%. But now the spreads are so much larger at the bottom end, generally, you know, 5 6p. So, you know, 44p instant sell compared to a 50p, you know, current price. I generally don't sell through the kind of instant sell feature. I generally list to market and if they're not selling for a, a week or so, I just accept that they're not going to sell, take them back off, and then just pretty much it's a waiting game. I just wait until that player has either hit a good score or has gone up for some reason. And then because of the kind of supply and demand, I know if a player's gone up by 5 or 6p, if I list them, they're most likely going to sell. So it's a waiting game generally. So I'd say it has made me reassess when to exit a trade. Not reassess, it just kind of stops me exiting a trade when I want to because the spreads are so horrific. I kind of have to go an alternative route. Usually because I'm more like midterm, I don't really think about it. But I think recently I've definitely been quite aggressive in kind of, even if a player has a 10% spread, I'm like, do I back myself to make that 10% back? That is probably the most important thing for me if I'm, if I'm playing the more short-term game. In that sense, it hasn't really affected me that much. But I have had to like weigh it up more in terms of have increased spreads made you reassess when to exit trade? Yes. But the way I've reassessed it has changed in that I've thought about kind of like, can I find a 10% to squeeze out of another trade if I'm going to sell this player? It's a tough one, those spreads. They're particularly unpopular, which you can understand why. Mm-hmm. And it affects kind of the in-play dividend market as well and just the lower end market. But then when kind of looking from a footballing index point of view, do they really want to buy a really a player that just doesn't get traded that much for only 1p less than, than they're currently on sale for pretty much? So from their point of view, I can kind of see why they put on big spreads, which is why order books I think is quite important. It, it fixed the issue order books, from my knowledge, especially at the lower end, because you wouldn't have to take like a 10% hit. You're basically selling to another trader rather than for Blindex. So it's kind of off the Blindex kind of balance sheet, basically. But no, it's an interesting area. I do think they should try and experiment a bit more with spreads. I do think that it's a super tough one for them. I kind of agree with you. But for me, I think that they are obviously playing the the kind of profit and loss game with each individual player with these spreads. I think that's kind of clear to see. But I do wonder if as a whole, the platform if the spreads were as close as they actually could afford them to be, whether or not the platform as a whole would be better off, they would make more money and FI traders would feel more comfortable. I don't know if that would be the case. I really would be curious to see if they did just make them for a week as close as they could together. Yeah, and it particularly have a, I think when we're talking about spreads, obviously it happens at the top end, but the bottom end of the market percentage-wise, I think is kind of on average affected worse for spreads. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see if the spread was, you know, just a normal 2%, say, does that kind of invite more people to A, join for Blindex and B, kind of invest in in those types of players rather than kind of put their money in the kind of top end? I really like the bottom end players at the moment because when you think percentage-wise, many of those players I could see increasing by 100% over the year. Yet a Neymar, say, I can't really see being £16 in a year. Obviously, I don't underestimate FI because it's got a power to, you know, have massive growth. But uh, I don't know, I feel like the bottom end's got a lot of profit there to be made if you're picking the right players, basically, because there is a lot of shite. (laughs) Uh, You just kind of pick around that and try and find a gem. It's hard, though. It's hard. And especially 
if no one's buying because of the spreads and it becomes a, again, we use the phrase self-fulfilling prophecy so much in FI, if that is the case, then it is a bit of an issue. But I don't know, for me, I haven't really noticed it. I've changed the way I've re- reassessed my exits, but not necessarily in that negative a sense, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I agree. We've got a question here from Aaron Palace. Phil, do you see any promotions happening in January? We've been pretty spoiled recently. And he said, as for not including me in your World Cup, middle finger <laughs> emoji. So uh, I'm sorry, Aaron. Feels like so long ago that you did the World Cup. Yeah, well, I don't know how I kind of thought about it. I just thought, I know... For someone that doesn't have enough time to listen to podcasts, that sure yeah, looked like it took bad. a lot of time. It was a lot of time, and I somewhat regretted it after a weekend because I realized how long it was going to take. And it, it, it was good, but it, yeah, every day, like seven o'clock, putting out a poll and like kind of sharing the results, it was a, a kind of a ball ache. But yeah, sorry for not including Aaron. There was, like we said earlier, there's just so many accounts these days, and I was trying to, you know narrow it down to 32 and there's just so many accounts that even accounts that I hadn't even known which have so many followers just just such a diverse kind of community now so apologies on that regarding promotions can I see any promotions to be honest hopefully not I think promotions I, I'm kind of you want natural organic growth for me personally the minute you start kind of putting deposit bonuses out there you kind of get volatility you know a massive increase and then a kind of once the payment is paid, you know, the extra 10% or 5%, then you kind of see a reduction then. I think it's just nice to have a bit of organic growth. It's fine to sometimes stimulate the market, you know, if it's going downhill or has been going, you know, downhill for a while without a particular reason, trying to stimulate it's fine. But I think right now the market's doing fine. We've just kind of come out of a bit of, for me at least, a bit of a kind of a very plateaued period of growth where my portfolio hadn't increased that much over the last two months. Do I see any promotions? No, but with Football Index, they always seem to be kind of throwing more out there, uh, especially, you know, with the recent Neymar and Arnold gesture payment, which is obviously very nice. So, but no, no, I don't think any promotions in January. I think we've been spoiled, like you've said. Yeah, I'd agree. But I don't really mind the whole giving the options to random traders to have a 5% bonus. I think the thing that they did of 10% bonuses for players that hadn't been or hadn't deposited for a while really worked. People were DMing me like, hey, just going to chuck 20k in because I've just been offered this and I haven't really deposited in about 12 months. Or people saying, hey, I've just come back, haven't been on for like 12 months, what's changed? I'm going to stick a few k in. It's like, it's a lot. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how many of those types of people who just kind of find 10k, you know, down the back of the sofa, who can just kind of deposit. It makes me worry that there could be some sort of displacement in a way that those people because they know there's going to be an offer around the corner, do not deposit because they know a a deposit bonus is going to happen. So it kind of, it's not exactly new money coming in. It's just money being kind of shifted to a different time period because they're just waiting to get, for example, somewhere 20 grand, if there's a 5% deposit bonus, that's like 1,000 pounds. So why why deposit now? Let's just wait a month and I can get an extra grand. So I know where you're coming from. It's great for people that, you know, just maybe have 20 quid and, you know, a friend says, there's a bonus on right now do you want to you know take part and you're basically getting new customers i worry more for those that kind of use it in a way maybe where it's not intended particularly and it's kind of just a a short-term shock to the market and they may just be trying to profit just take free money basically off that five percent and then just withdraw it straight away which obviously doesn't benefit football index it's just them giving away free money but no yeah it's, it's always good to see from a personal point of view i haven't deposited for a while personally but like it's always good to see my portfolio go up whenever there's a deposit bonus. So I can't complain too much. Yeah, you can't complain too much. 
there's a point where you can overdo it and the novelty wears off, which I, as you said, how many times can someone find a few K down the, the back of their sofa? Seemingly loads of times in the football industry. Yeah, community. there's a kind of ongoing joke, isn't there, that I can't remember the particular count, but I don't know, they deposited like, pretty much whenever there's a deposit bonus, they put in like a hundred grand. And I'm like, what, just, just finding that hundred grand? Like crazy, crazy amounts of money. Yeah, it's kind of an ongoing joke. Yeah, I don't know what I, I, what did I tweet a while ago about? I forgot what it was. It was something to do with, I don't know. It must, it, it, I'm sure it was funny, I think, at some point. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. It was, it was something to do with that. Preza FI says, regarding new territories, which country do you expect will be added? Oh. Second, which country do you think will bring the largest growth to the FI market and why? That's, uh, we're kind of going full circle here. We're kind of covering bits of this, aren't we? So new territories. What do you think would be added? So I'm hoping Germany. So I think kind of mainland Europe would be great. The kind of language barrier could be an issue. Obviously, you know, it's just names and prices. But again, media buzz, if you're talking about, you know, UK news outlets, will that have to be kind of adjusted if there's new territories to include? I think someone mentioned it. I read kind of the German papers or the, the Spanish papers, the French papers, stuff like that. So it could go hand in hand if they open up to new territories with media buzz getting, you know, a bit of a, shake up what was the other bits which country do you think would bring the largest growth so yeah we discussed this i think america surely yeah population love a bet soccer's a growing thing i think canada i know population is much smaller but maybe canada could be kind of a trial run in a way obviously are we already there rules. though are we in canada already i thought fi had got oh, i'm not keeping there. up oh i'm not keeping up then that went kind of quiet i think at one point i know sweden they had but they had to uh back out of Sweden in the end. Yeah, regs got the better of them. But I think something similar happened in Canada. Oh, okay. If you're out there and you're listening from Canada, yeah, hit me up and let me know. Yeah, European-wise, I don't actually think it matters that much for me. There is going to be maybe one country that's better than the other. I just do think that the kind of thing that is FI expanding to a European territory, I think will be quite a big deal. And I think that will have impact in itself in terms of money being loaded in from the UK and then eventually every domino that falls over from like a territory standpoint is just going to be bigger and bigger and bigger from then on because they'll perfect that kind of lift and shift or adapt situation and then it's going to force them to change probably media buzz which will be really interesting. Also the tax side of it as well obviously it's tax free in the UK I imagine that rule would not apply perhaps in other countries I'm not sure on you know the tax regulation and legislation but I know in America it's quite tightly regulated so I don't know how it is, but that could cause quite a lot of issue if people are making money and withdrawing, then you're kind of having to work out the profit if it's like kind of capital gains tax or something like that. So, you know, that's kind of barrier. In Germany, it's, oh, let's see, I was just reading it. Tax, regardless of whether gambling services are provided lawfully or unlawfully in Germany, taxes will generally have to be paid by all German and foreign gambling operators. For online casino and online poker services, general VAT law applies and the gross gaming revenue, the amount wagering by players less than winnings paid out is taxed at 90%. Sports bets are taxed at the much higher rate of 5% of the stake and lotteries are taxed at 20% of the stake. So if it's 5%, yeah, pretty much you've got to, uh, I guess if you're thinking about Football Index now, you want to be making a profit of about 5% on top of what you're making just simply to afford the commission and any, you know, instant sell. But then it'd have to be 5% on top of that. So 10% if you kind of want to beat the commission that they take. I think that would be more on the FI side. You don't get taxed. Okay, so it's a tax on the company rather than the individual. Yeah, so apparently, 
And this is according to taxback.com forward slash blog forward slash the ultimate guide to gambling tax rates around the world. If anyone's super looking to nerd out. Yeah, very trustworthy. The countries where you are not taxed on your gambling winnings. Austria, Australia, Belgium, Bulgaria, Canada, Czech Republic, Denmark, Finland, Germany, Hungary, Italy, Luxembourg, Malta, Romania, Sweden, UK. Now that's interesting because obviously Sweden and Canada are in both on that list. Yeah, so it could be a kind of, it makes sense from a football index point of view, logistically, you know, kind of easing into new territories to enter territories which are very close, I guess, to the UK regulation-wise and, you know, tax-wise. So, yeah, it seems like if they're going to expand territories, it'd be on in that list, perhaps. Well, let's see. Let's see. Yeah. Is it going to be Germany? You're kind of convincing me, Phil. <laughs> I think you might want me over. I think Germany would be good as well. Population as well. They love football. I think it'd just be a great success. They speak good English as well there. Yeah. I found the tweet, though, from the, the previous uh, question. It was the tweet that I wrote. I swear the Football Index community stumble upon a spare 5K like I stumble into uni mates I haven't seen in a couple of years. Uh, oh, that's so funny. basic, but great tweet. Great, great, great tweet. You know, I, I, I swear I tweeted on the train once into work thinking, I don't know if anyone's going to like this. And then uh, there we are. Lots of likes, I'm sure. Basic tweets win, win people's hearts. <laughs> Joe Felix, I think we skipped this one actually. Uh, will you be getting involved in the January transfer window in terms of your trades or do you think it's best not to bother? And is your answer based on how poor, badly or poorly your past transfer windows ended up? So yes, I will be getting involved in January transfer window. But to some extent, you're right not to bother because I've had bad experiences in the past in transfer windows. I probably get involved in transfer windows in a different way to that maybe other people get involved in transfer windows because I've been burnt so badly of kind of news coming out of a player moving to a club, buying that player, and then them not moving and me just getting absolutely burnt. So like Dybala, an example, where he was going to go to United and then Spurs. And I bought pretty much at the maximum price. I bought like 500 at like £4. And then within a day, he's back down to £3. From that point, I've decided not to get involved in like that way because I feel like if you read something on Twitter... And then you go to Fibula next, you're probably too late at that point. Yeah. The price has already increased. You're not going to beat the people unless you're like on Twitter 24 7. I used to have like push notifications on, but even then, you know, so many people have that and people are just quicker to buy the player. So what I generally do is buy a player for transfer window reasons about six months before. So if people think they're going to move in, say, summer and they don't, their price goes down because they haven't moved. And that's a perfect time to buy. Or if you just think one of my best kind of I guess, strategies is looking at the kind of top clubs, I'd say, you know, the Liverpool, Man City, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and identifying the players that aren't really playing who are still quite good players because they're playing for top clubs, and then thinking they're going to move because they're not going to want to sit on the bench after a year, for another year, and they're probably going to be worth double a value if they move to like a Europa League side because they're going to be playing every game and they're, you know, a good player. So Shakiri is my example. He's, you know, set piece, taker, corners. Likes being on the ball, likes dribbling, can score a goal. Reasonable age, 26, I think, 27. And he was like 50p when I saw him at Liverpool. I thought, you know, he's either going to play for Liverpool and go up or he's going to move from Liverpool and go to a Europa League type side and be a pound. So that's 100% return. So I kind of target transfer windows in maybe a different way to most people. I kind of think quite far ahead. There's kind of a long-term strategy for me. And I just sit on the player, except they're not going to get dividends for me but then the capital appreciation that they do eventually bring would outweigh any dividends anyway, because, you know, it'd be such a potential, potentially such a large capital appreciation return I get. Yeah, I saw a really good tweet or thread the other day 
from someone about thinking about teams that need certain players. I don't know who it was by. Was it Sigmund Freund? Doesn't ring a bell. The person was looking at kind of positions that... Um, oh, here we go. So he said, Look, looking ahead to the January transfer window, here is my take on what each team needs. He said, Man United, an experienced striker. Chelsea, a forward who can play both wide down the middle. Liverpool, hard to see where they improve. Potentially back up fullback, back up wide forward. Probably that's Minamino now. Tottenham, heavily dependent on who goes that they didn't want to sell. A new right-back probably and a potentially new centre-back. Man City, a high-quality centre-back. Arsenal, two centre-backs. <laughs> and he said, uh, I believe it's really hard to predict which player goes to which club. Looking at the above, I'd say centre-backs will be the most in demand followed by number 10s, wide forwards and backup full-backs. So that's an interesting way to look at things as well. If you don't want to be the kind of looking at the push notifications kind of thing, again, that could be a super interesting way to do things. Yeah, and I think I'd make a point that just because a player moves club doesn't necessarily mean that they're worth more. So I think with centre-backs, that's something you've got to be really careful about. You know, Ruben Diaz at uh, Benfica has been kind of touted for ages as a player, you know, a younger centre-back who's got enough quality to move. But I think he's already about a pound. And if you really think about, you know, maybe you'd get a bit of media dividend when he moves. But realistically, centre-backs, especially with the kind of PB matrix so suited to crossing, full-backs are now going to be particularly Kimmich and Trent and maybe Alfonso Davies, if he gets converted to a left-back. And Cancelo perhaps will be dominating, I think, kind of the defender PB score and dividends that come with it for the foreseeable future. So centre-backs aren't, for me, they've become less valuable. I remember when Laporte was one of the top defenders because he'd pass the ball so much and he'd occasionally score. But now, I know he's been injured, but now I think the fullbacks are just now because of the crossing are getting 20 and 30 more PB points that I don't think Laporte can do much unless he scores to be taking that those dividends off those flying fullbacks. Yeah, I think we'll probably see that kind of consolidate slightly in the future. I think we'll see more centre-backs winning. It's just probabilities. Fullbacks are obviously stronger with the new matrix, but I think over a longer period of time, a longer sample size, I do think we'll see some centre-backs put up some big scores. Just before that, actually, I was going to say, is that thread that I just read out from Sigmund Freud, Freund? Freund, is <laughs> definitely kind of how I think about transfer stories either trying to figure out kind of those rumbling murmuring rumors that aren't yet picked up by papers in the mainstream and try and going a bit bigger on those or just trying to predict what kind of players are going to get linked is definitely the way that i've i've tried to go about it yeah so many different ways to make money especially with transfer windows it's just, just so dangerous to get burnt it's such a I, I try and stay clear as much kind of short-term trading when it comes to transfers because yeah you can lose a lot of money if you're not careful yeah certainly so metropolis from the forum he said fitp equals football index twitter please <laughs> question mark so he's, he's got that uh, even though he's on the forum so following the q a with adam cole do you think 2020 will be as good as 2019 in terms of growth for the index and what excites you the most and can anything match the share split oh that's a good question we've kind of again covered bits about this so yeah i think we've discussed that i think growth will continue i think in 2020 I think there's some big milestones with order books set. I'm a bit, again, because it's a kind of change, I'm a bit worried about how they're going to work and how that's going to change the market. But I think it'll be for the better. And I think there's a lot more growth to come, especially with territories, media being changed. And I think until that user base is kind of reached the maximum, players will continue to increase, basically, because if someone's just come onto the platform and they want to buy a Neymar, 
they're not going to particularly going to evaluate, you know, how many dividends is he expected to return over the rest of his career and will it outweigh his price? People who are joining for the first time, I imagine, don't think like that. So as long as people are coming on and wanting to buy, you know, the best players, the price of those players will go up and either cause a share split if they're kind of getting too high or will cause an increase in dividends if Football Index think that the prices are actually in a bubble, like the dividends aren't outweighing the price at all. So I think there is a lot of growth. We've only been on the journey for four years now from 2015, October, I think it uh, started. So just over four years. And yeah, especially with territories and like uh, Germany, I think hopefully be the next one. I think America's a bit more down the line. But even just in the UK, I think there's a lot more people to kind of bring across from the traditional bookies. Yeah. And I think the one thing that people kind of underestimate about the share splits is that they can actually thicken the market as well, which is... In what way? What do you mean, sorry? As in like, in terms of how we've talked about more money needing to be put into players for them to go up in terms of a penny back before the share split in a rise was easier to come by than a penny now. If it's divided by four again, you'd presume that whether it's like, I don't know, 600 or 900 futures, you're looking at like, what is it, you know, 3,600 or whatever, which would mean that, yes, there are going to be those big hitters that will still buy in massive bulk, but there'll be that kind of like, you know, psychological thing where people still buy in like ones or tens or fifties or hundreds or thousands which will mean that it will probably be, you know, more volume or liquidity will be needed to, to move player prices. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think there's, I do worry in a, in a way, just trying to attract the regular kind of traditional better, you know, person that just puts an Akron on the weekend. They, you know, put, put on a fiver and getting 20 back potentially. If they're having to say, for example, Neymar, if they're having to buy so much of Neymar, like not actual amount of Neymar, but like value of Neymar. How much do they have to put in to return five pounds on a weekend if they score or something or if they win, you know, star man? It's a lot because it's not an instant win. It's a kind of a long-term investment. It's more like a stock market. So will it put people off that they're going to have to buy, you know, 7,000 Neymars to return like 50p on a weekend? And it just seems ridiculous to just the average person. I'm kind of getting more and more worried about that because the more and more it grows, the more and more the uh, kind of average return over a year is going to get like lower and lower, you know, near at say 10%. And suddenly you're targeting traditional betters probably less and less. It's less of a quick win. It's more of a long-term investment, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but maybe the type of people they're targeting will change as time goes on. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Goes back to that 10% question, the subjectiveness, the tax-free element. There are so many variables to consider and to try and actually create a well-reasoned position on this because it is going to be a thing that is so far away. I mean, if this podcast is still around in three years, then we can come back and talk about it. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. I think that's what we've got time for today, Phil. Thanks for joining me. I know you've been a bit ill and I know I probably feel better now than I did at the beginning of the podcast, but still not amazing. Where can people find out more about you? They can find me on Twitter at Phil underscore Tyra. Not Tyler. Not Tyler or Tyre or it's... uh, T-Y-R-E-R. It's, uh, yeah, don't worry, I get it all the time. So yeah, you can find me there. I'm nearly at like 900 followers. It'd be great to break a a thousand at some point. I know it's been, it's been a long time coming. I've been on Twitter for like seven years. Yeah. Let's get Phil to a thousand. Get Phil to a thousand. Come on. Here we go. So yeah, on Twitter. Yeah. (laughs) Hashtag get Phil to a thousand. You're at 895. I think that's doable. It's doable. Maybe, yeah, maybe not immediately. It'll be a big 
like shout to get 100 people to follow me off this podcast. But uh, you never know. So yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter and that's pretty much it. So you can find me there. Mm. All right, let's see. Let's get them to 1,000 on Sunday when the pod <laughs> goes out. If you guys are commuting right now, have a great commute. I hope you're not commuting because it'll be Sunday the... Oh no, it'll be Sunday or Monday 20th, the 23rd. Second. 23rd. This is the last Vicast before Christmas, I imagine. I'm actually recording one on the 23rd, which would then oh. go out on the 29th. And there'll also be a blooper reel, which will be good fun. <laughs> and then the first one of the new year will be recorded on Thursday the 2nd, which will then go out on the 5th. So is this the last one, the last published? This is... The last release prior to Christmas? This is the last release prior to Christmas, yeah. So... So I guess Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. No, it is. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Figmas. Whatever you want. Happy holidays <laughs> if you don't celebrate Christmas. Yeah. So if you're, you're not commuting and I'm hoping you're not and you're spending time with your family, whatever. Is this? Is this going to? No, this is going to go out on the 22nd. We're being silly, Phil. Yeah, it's the 22nd, but it's the last Before one prior Christmas. to Christmas. Yeah, you're so right. So you won't sorry. get a chance to say Merry Christmas until yeah. the 29th. Otherwise. I'm being stupid. It's been a long day. I'm hungover <laughs> and it's, uh, I think I'm getting a cold. So uh, yeah, sorry if we didn't get to answer all your questions. Football Index is a gambling platform. Only bet what you can afford to lose and stop when the fun stops. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Hope you guys have a great time. Look out for next episodes and also the blooper reel, which I think will be quite good crack. There's some weird ones going on. Weird clips going in there. Definitely. For sure. I can't wait. Cannot wait for that one. Cheers, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>